Welcome to Remnant Christian Center's podcast. We hope you are encouraged by this message. All right, 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 1. If you're there, say, holla. <laughs> and Elijah the Tishbite, verse 1, of the inhabitants of Gilead said to Ahab, wicked Ahab, this is, now I'm giving you a foundation, okay? As the Lord God of Israel lives before whom I stand, there shall not be any dew nor rain these three years, these years, except at my word. Now think about the boldness of Elijah says, hey, listen, I'm going to tell you something. This is judgment coming on this nation for wickedness. So I'm going to tell you what, there's going to be a severe drought, severe desert for years, and it's not going to come back until I pray it back. Can you imagine that? Some of you would say, well, that's just arrogant of Pastor Elijah, or Prophet Elijah, right? Well, he said that because there was something that was happening. If you read the book of James, you'll find out that those years were three and a half years. Imagine going three and a half years with not a drop of rain and scorching heat, and all the animals are dying, and all the livestock are dying, and you can't go to the supermarket to buy things because everything is dead because of the drought. So imagine this in an emotional and a spiritual atmosphere where you're trying everything to get some breakthrough. Come on. You're trying everything to get some sustenance, and everything is dying around you and inside of you. Now, I want you to fast forward to the next chapter. By the way, everything that I'm going to speak about today has to do with this story. I'm going to give you three stages that we, are to, to get out of the, that we have to face in our dry seasons, all from Elijah. Are you ready? Now look at the next chapter, verse 18, verse 41. Oh, this is what, this is what they were singing. This is what they were singing. I'm going to take the mo- majority of my text, this message, from these verses. I want you to go to verse 41. Then Elijah said to Ahab, now watch this. Now a couple years already passed by, all right, because the Bible does that. It goes to, from one year to like 400 years in just a couple verses, okay. Elijah said to Ahab, go up. Now watch this. Eat and drink, for there is the sound of abundance of rain. So Ahab went to eat and drink, and Elijah went up to the top of Carmel. Then he bowed down on the ground and put his face between his knees and said to his servant, not not Ahab, there was a separate guy, a servant, go up. Look toward the sea. Oh, my, I feel like preaching on that just for a little bit. So he went up and looked. Watch this. Oh, my gosh. I'm going to preach on this for a second. And there was nothing. There was nothing when the Lord told him there would be something. Just chew on that for a second. Just chew on that for a second. The Lord spoke to Elijah that there would be rain and there was none. So Something is off here. Either Elijah didn't hear God or God is doing something deeper than what we see. There was nothing. Then seven times he said, go again. And he came on passing the seventh time that he said, there is a cloud. The, the, the assistant, the, the, the servant said, a, a small, say small, as a man's hand rising out of the sea. So he said, go up. Say to Ahab, prepare your chariots and go down before the rain stops you. It had not even rained yet, not even a sign yet. Now it happened in the meantime that the sky at that time suddenly became black with clouds and wind, and there was a heavy rain. So Ahab rode away and went to Jezreel. Then the hand of the Lord came upon Elijah, and he girded up his loins. This is a supernatural sprint, okay? Just want to tell you. The Lord came upon literally, and he got translated and ran ahead of Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel. 
Uh, before I even go, I thought I find it so powerful that, that he girded up his loins and ran supernaturally ahead of Ahab because he was desperate for rain to get out of the drought season. Oh, you didn't even, you didn't even say amen. Some of you are happy where you're at. That's why you're stuck where you're at. If you are desperate to get out of the dry season, you're going to do something about it. Now, review from last week is uh, part of the recipe to maintaining faith. I'll be really quick on this for those of you who weren't here. Uh, the, the first recipe to, to, to maintain joy and faith in the dry seasons is a spirit of great uh, gratitude and thankfulness. We, thought, we talked about that without thankfulness, you can't even get to the other places. Enter his gates with what? Thanksgiving. I was taking my, bl- my blood because I'm, I've been battling an infection for about a month. So I was taking the, uh, my blood yesterday at Quest Diagnostic. And, and this lady, I'm just going there. And the lady and what do you do? I'm a pastor. She goes, what's the word of the Lord today, pastor? And I go, be thankful in all things. She goes, amen. Amen. I go, you're a believer too? She goes, yeah, I am. She goes, I've been going through something. I go, no, I'm going through some things too. I said, but be thankful in all things. And then she started preaching a message. She goes, yeah, because when you get thankful, you start praising better. You start worshiping better. I said, that was what I preached last week. I said, you be thankful, and then you enter his gates with thanksgiving, his courts with? So that means thanksgiving opens the door for authentic praise while you're going through the desert. So if you're going through the desert, this is a review last week, be thankful in all things, Right? And then there was, I talked about the power of your memory, that it's important to remember. Nowadays we say, no, don't remember bad stuff. Yeah, don't remember bad stuff. But re, the, the, the Lord uses memory because he wants you to remember during dry seasons when God took you out of the mess he took you years ago so they could build your faith in the current situation you're now. So when you remember, and I gave scriptures to, to back all the, the, the whole memory thing up, how the psalmist was sad, and then he started remembering and then became happy. It's, it's amazing that you could be sad and remember the goodness of God and then be happy at the same time. Which leads us to this. There are stages that we will go through in our dry season in order for us to maintain joy. I, wasn't, I didn't put that up there, but that's fine. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, in order to maintain joy and faith in the desert. There's also pitfalls that we need to be aware of, but there's also stages. Now remember, when I say dry season, I don't want you to feel that it's uh, sometimes, okay, I'm going to say this right there, that it's only without the favor of God in your life or without things happening around you that may be good. Because I find that sometimes, watch it, I'm going to get ready to preach here for a second, that your circumstances could actually be better than the condition of your soul. Sometimes you could be prospering on the outside and weeping on the inside. Sometimes the people of God, so people could see the favor of God over your business and the favor of God over your marriage or the favor of God over over your church and yet not see the mental battle that you face every night and every day and the emotional battle that you struggle with privately. I can say that people have seen the favor of God over my life but never knew the battles that I was going through at the time where I was warring for certain breakthroughs in my life. So when I say dry season, I'm not only talking about the lack of favor in your life. That's also including it. But you could have the favor of God in your life and still be in a dry season. You could still battle and rage. Am I worthy enough? Lord, did you abandon me? Lord, what's wrong with me? Lord, why don't you heal me? I'm just speaking real. That's all. That's all I'm doing. So I'm telling you that the things that I found out is that you can be 
laughing on the outside and crying on the inside. You could be prosperous actually with your business and legitimately be prospering in your ministry and no one knows the silent wars that you're going through in the side of you. So how do you maintain the realness and authentic, authentic worship and purity in your heart while you're in a dry season or while you're in a, 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 a season of drought? Because we all have drought seasons. This is why I'm bringing this up to you. See, if your heart is dry, if your heart is empty, if your motives are not authentic, then there's something that has to happen in your heart for you to really really get to the place where God has you. Because you know what? I'm going to just say this. I used to, I said it before, but I'll say it again. I used to say this years ago when I was a youth pastor, and I get at that time the principle of it, but I've grown theologically, and you have too, but you know what? God is not going to bless the fake you. Don't fake it till you make it. Faith it till you make it. Faith. Faith. Faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. If you fake it till you make it, then you're like, hey, how you doing? I'm doing great. And God may be using other people to get your way, but you're always saying, well, everything is good when you're crying on the inside. You know what? Don't fake it anymore. God doesn't want to bless the fake you. He wants to bless the real you. So there are stages that you're going, th- going to go through while you're in a dry season. Listen, everybody's in, in, in a ministry, everybody who has a business, everybody who is going through life, you have double jobs or you're having trouble with your finances or, or whatever season you're in, I want you to listen to this, okay? I want you to listen. Put that, put that first slide up there, Zach. Now you can do it. Zach, I love you. You're amazing. There are some stages that we are going to have to go through while we are in a dry season in our lives and in our ministry in our business, and in our careers. That's right, I said careers. Because you could be believing God for a career, and you're super dry in that area. You're trying to look for, Lord, I, I went to college. I did all the things, but I'm still not finding my career. You could be in a dry season in that area, too, and be vibrant in other areas and not be fully joyful maintaining the things of God. So watch this. Now I'm going to shout. You're going to love this. Oh, you're going to love this. You're going to love this. I'm happy. You're happy. We're all happy. The first stage to get out that you will face, the first stage is the invisible stage where you see nothing. Oh, my God, my God. The first stage you and I will face in a dry season of our lives, in a dry season of our business, in a dry season of our ministry, in a dry season of your career, is that you and I will see this first stage come up. And the stage is you're doing all the right things. You're preaching, you're reading, you're declaring, you're confessing, and you see nothing. That is a frustrating thing when you know that you know that you know that God spoke to you to do something and, oh, my God, and you still see nothing. When God spoke to you to start that business and you see nothing and God spoke to you to go to that place for for an encounter with God and you see nothing and God spoke to you that your kid was going to get healed and, and, and is going to be set free and you see nothing. This is when you see nothing in your life, and, 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 and if you see the invisible from a biblical perspective, you actually be happy. Why? Because faith always sees things in the spiritual first before it manifests in the physical. So if you see the invisible from the, from the stage of, of a heavenly perspective, then you will say faith comes. Now faith is a what? Substance of things 
Come on, substance of things. The evidence of what? The evidence of what? When you see nothing, that's faith. Here's the thing that I'm going to share with you. Because your faith usually gets attacked the most. Listen to me. During seasons when you're trying to do everything right and you don't see anything. Or I'm going to say it this way. The nothing stage. Can I get a little amen up in here? Your faith is going to get attacked the most when you're not doing the wrong things. Because your faith is not getting attacked when you know you're doing the wrong things. Because then you know that your consequence is because you're doing the wrong things. Your faith is attacked when you're doing the right things, applying the biblical uh, mandate to sow, and you don't see anything. In other words, the nothing stage, the invisible stage where you don't see what's happening behind the scenes. Woo. Sir. But you don't see what's happening, that how your obedience is moving something, but you don't see it. It's the invisible stage. It's the nothing stage, the frustrating stage. It's the nothing stage when, you, when you're in a financial drought and you see nothing. When you're in an emotional drought and you haven't had joy for a long time. You're like, you know what? I try to stir myself up to have joy and it's fake. Or you haven't wept in a long time because you've been so hurt that you be, you've developed a hard heart. And then that season of drought, God wants to break through, but you are in an invisible stage. So what I want to look at again is the story of Elijah that we just wrote because I wanted to set up a stage here for you. During the three and a half year famine that, by the way, I want to say something very clear. Elijah was not exempt either from that famine. He called the famine and he had to go through it. Oh, that's another preacher. That's another message right there. Be careful what you pray for. Lord, use me. Lord, use me. Lord, use me. Okay, and then God puts you in the ministry, and you realize that it's not all glorious, and people talk behind your back, and people backstab you, and people don't appreciate you, and people are not thankful. I'm going to go to this side because people don't respond. Oh, God, I pray that you would use me. I am using you, but this hurts, God. I don't want it anymore. Be careful what you pray for. Elijah said, you know what? There's not going to be any rain until I say so. Guess what, Elijah? You're part of that drought, too. So guess what? Elijah had to learn, not just by preaching, he had to live it. Oh, I'm going to pause and say something that's not in my notes and say this. You want extra power in your prayers, extra power when you speak? Say it from a place of what you've gone through. Yes, there's faith. Yes, there's the word. But man, let me tell you something. When you get someone that's gone through hell and back and starts ministering that same situation to a person that needs it, my God, there's there's a power that comes in there. Because you're no longer preaching from your mind. You're preaching from, I went through this, and this is how I felt. How did you know that? Because I, fe- I went through the exact same thing that you went through. This is how you're feeling. How did you know that? Because I felt it. So Elijah had to go through this. Now watch this. 1 Kings chapter 18. Oh, I can feel you are getting ready on this. Verse 41. Look at verse 41 again. Put it up there on the screen. Here's, we're going to break down the first stage. Are you getting something this morning? Then Elijah said to Ahab, watch this now. I'm going to break this down, the nothing stage, okay? Elijah, I want you to read it slow so you hear because you're going to miss it. Elijah said to Ahab, go up, eat, and drink. Wicked Ahab. For there is, everybody say is. It had not happened yet. There is the sound of abundance of rain. Elijah heard from the Lord, and he was, watch this, oh, my God, taking a risk on the word of the Lord. He was so confident that the Lord spoke to him that he didn't wait for a physical manifestation to go give instruction to someone to do what God said he was going to do. 
She said, there's, listen, there's a sound of abundance of rain. Go, eat and drink, for there's a sound of abundance of rain. Look at verse 42. Look at verse 42. So Ahab went to eat and drink, and Elijah, watch this. This is a posture of prayer, and it's proven in the book of James, all right? Elijah, then he, he did something like this. Okay, he went. Then he went to pray. He said, okay, God, I'm sending him out based on the word of the Lord. He prayed, he went to, a, to Carmel, and he bowed down to the ground and put his face between his knees. He's praying. In other words, Lord, you spoke to me. I'm going to look like a fool if that guy goes out there and there's nothing. He prayed because he heard the word of the Lord. And he said to his servant, oh, li- listen, listen to this, I love this. Go up now and look toward the sea. Have you ever heard the Lord say something to you and you wanted to make sure that it was really the Lord? <laughs> and you said, you know what, let me test this thing out because I really felt the Lord. Go ahead and go, ahead and go over there. God gave me that promise. Go ahead and check on that person over there because God says he's going to encounter them. No, 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 no. They're, they're, still, they're still evil. Yep, they're still bound. But, but go over there again because God told me that they're going to get, that you're going to meet someone and they're going to give you some money for the church. Hey, how you doing? I'm, jo- I'm John. Do uh, you have something for me? What are you talking about? There's nothing. So I love this because there's a difference, watch this, between God speaking to you and the timing that God chooses for what he spoke to you to come to pass. Listen to me. Because Elijah heard the voice of the Lord and he acted real quick. Hey, go. Go, go, go and see if there's rain. You and I will get frustrated when we hear the voice of the Lord and it's authentic voice of the Lord and not realize that the voice of the Lord has different layers to it. There's his voice and there's his timing to execute the voice. Because you hear the voice and then you get frustrated when you act on it right now and don't see anything. God is still doing it. He's not somebody who takes his word in vain. Why? Because he said whatever he speaks out of his mouth, it will come to pass. So if God told you to start a business, it's going to happen. If God told you to start a ministry, it's going to happen. If God told you your parents or your your kids are going to get saved, it's going to happen. But where we get frustrated is we confuse the voice of the Lord with our timing. He said, go up and see if there is rain. Watch this. And he looked and he said, are you ready for this? Let this hit you like a, like a ton of bricks. There is nothing. The nothing state. Now, I want you to, to think about this. What would you feel if you were the servant giving that bad news to Elijah? You don't want to give bad news to Elijah. My man just killed 400 prophets of Baal. Right? He just called fire from heaven just a couple of verses before. All right, he, ju- he just raised up a widow's son from the dead and multiplied oil. You don't want to give this guy bad news. He comes back from the mountain. He says, go. I mean, go over there. Comes back. He says, is there anything? Because I know the Lord spoke to me. There's nothing. There's nothing. The first half of the scripture talks about what he saw in the spirit. The second half of the scripture talks about what he wasn't seeing that he saw in the spirit. Let me just pause and say this. Keep contending with what you see in the spirit until you start seeing it in the natural. Because you cancel the things that are about to come in the natural and you saw in the spirit because you got discouraged because what you saw in the spirit is not now. But keep going again. Because watch this. Watch what the Bible says. Watch what the Bible says. He said, there is nothing. Are you ready for this? Then seven times he said, I want you to shout this. Go again. 
Come on. Say, go again. Say it one more time. Say, go again. Go again. What am I trying to say? Let me, let me give you something. Uh, come here, Ronnie. Come here, Ronnie. Come here. So I want you to be my assistant right now. All right? I just heard the Lord. I just heard the Lord say, there's going to be rain. Go ahead to the back of the church. Go, go. Go ahead. No, no. I know this sounds weird, but this is how it feels in real life. We're waiting. It, you know the frustrating part is the waiting part. Come back. You're waiting. You heard the Lord. You're in a dry season. You hear the word of the Lord say you're coming out of the drought. Come on, somebody. Amen. Come over here. Did you see anything? No, no, no. I'm not finished with you yet. This is where most people stop. I heard the voice of the Lord. God, you're not real. God, you're not doing it. Go again. I'm trying to get it straight up point. It's a good exercise for him. It's good. So watch. We're waiting. We're praying. We're confessing. We hear the voice of the Lord. We see. Listen, listen. We heard the voice of the Lord. We heard the voice of the Lord. Come here, Ronnie. What do you see? Nothing. Go again. <laughs> You're going to get a fit husband after tonight. Come on, come on. Glory to God. He's going to have a six-pack when he comes home, girl. <laughs> so I just, so I just, all right, all right, I'm, 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 I'm going to pretend. All right. So he said, he said, go on, keep going. And you see what? Nothing. 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 He told him sit sometimes. You you give it up for Ronnie. Give it up for Ronnie. You can sit down. What am I trying to say in your life? You see nothing, go again. If you've prayed, feel nothing, pray again. If you haven't had a breakthrough, worship again. If you haven't seen a thing with your kid, go ahead and confess again. If you, listen, if you dip one time in the in the river, Jordan, and you still have leprosy, Naaman, dip again. If you go around the Jericho wall one time, Joshua, and you still see the wall not falling down, march again. Five times, you don't see anything, march again. You want a breakthrough? Go again. Go again. Look, go again. Go again. You haven't had a breakthrough prayer, prayer again. Worship again. Confess again. Read again. Fast again. Oh, man, I'm preaching better than you're saying amen this morning. You need a financial breakthrough? Stay faithful again. Woo! Don't stop. Everybody say, don't stop. Because the key to surviving in the nothing stage is with God is seeing the spiritual and knowing the timing. Because in the nothing stage, nothing is impossible for God. Nothing is impossible for God in the nothing stage. And when you're faced with the nothing stage, how many have been in a nothing stage? Come on. Where you're believing and you're confessing. And you know what? I have a word of the Lord for you today. I have a word for the Lord. For those of you who heard the Lord to do something specific or that God was going to break you out of something or you're coming out of a certain drought, here's the word of the Lord for you. It's really deep. Go again. Keep in the posture of prayer. You wake up, still in a drought, say, thank you, Jesus, I'm coming out eventually. You wake up and the business is still dry. You say, Lord, you gave me this. I'm going to be open to wisdom, but I'm going to keep at it today again. 
My kids are still on drugs. My, my parents are still not serving the Lord. Come to church again and pray again and believe again. Because that sets me up for the next stage. Because after you get through the first stage, and by the way, let me pause and say this. Some people get so discouraged in the nothing stage that they never graduate to uh, the next stage. They get stuck in the invisible stage, and all they do is see nothing. Oh, watch this. This is for free. Was it in my notes? When you see, when you constantly see nothing, if you're not careful, you will confess nothing. When you see nothing, you will stop confessing the things that you used to confess. You stop dreaming. You stop believing. You stop confessing. Well, maybe this is the cards that God gave. Maybe I'm stuck. Maybe God's never going to answer my prayer. Maybe I'm never going to have a financial prayer. Maybe I'm never going to get married. Maybe I'm never going to have my, my kids. Maybe I'm never. Oh, come on, man. Come on, man. Come on. Come on. See, if you see nothing, you will confess nothing. But if you see in the spirit, you will confess what you see in the spirit. Elijah did not see physical rain, yet he he confessed that there was rain. So the second stage you have to face is, before I do it, before I do it, before I do it, I want you to see the second stage. Are you ready? This is going to hit you really home because it hit me really bad. Because I find that you could have a breakthrough in a dry season and you not recognizing, re recognizing it because it's a small breakthrough. And you're believing for this big thing, and you went from nothing to something, and you're still not satisfied. So watch this, watch this, watch this. Look at 1 Kings 18, 44. Are you getting something? I can feel you are. Then it came to pass. Watch this now. Here's the second stage. I'm about to prelude to the second stage. Then it came to pass the seventh time. Seven. Poor old, poor old uh, uh, assistant of Elijah must have been like, oh, my God. I have a six-pack already. What's this old man going to tell me now? After the seventh time, he, comes, he goes, he goes, oh, watch this. Seventh time he said, Elijah, I'm not going to make you run again. Elijah goes, is there something? The assistant goes, there is something. Yes, there is something. I knew it. I knew it. I knew it was going to rain. God told me it was going to rain. I knew it. There's going to be a flood. Get ready. Get ready. Get ready. Get ready. It's a cloud. But Elijah, it's, 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 it's small. Come on, say small. Come on, say small. It's something, but it's small as the size of a man's hand. Look at my hand. Do you think this is enough cloud to have rain for the whole land of Israel? So watch this. This is the second stage. Put the second stage on there. The insignificant stage. Not valuing the little that we do see. I'm, I feel like preaching. I'm already preaching, but I feel like preaching more. Because the insignificant stage is when you deem in your heart that in your season, even the small breakthrough that you have gotten, you don't see it because you value even the small things that you've been praying for as insignificant. And you miss the blessing of the Lord that God is trying to give you in your relationships, in your promotion. Well, I've been believing for a promoted, and I, I, you know, God's prophesied that I was going to be the manager, but I got promoted to assistant manager. Start celebrating where you're at, the small clouds. Don't celebrate. It's easy to celebrate the big clouds. Celebrate the small clouds in your life. 
some of us have clouds. We're not even breaking. We're not even praising God because we're still depressed because we're in the insignificant stage. Listen, Eli, you, you went from nothing to something, and we're still not seeing the value of small. Say small. Say small again. When you change your perception of the cloud, then you'll change the perception of the significance of that stage. Watch this. Because when you change your perspective, then you change the significance of what you have. We need to change what we deem insignificant in the in the stage where we first saw nothing, and now we see a little breakthrough. See, to some of you, it's like you, you've been in a dry season for so long, and all of a sudden you get one clientele in your business, and you don't get another one for another three weeks. But you know what? You used to have nothing. You had one lead uh, for a business or one lead for, for a ministry, one opening for a ministry, and you're like, man, God, come on. This is not enough for me. And God says, you had nothing for months, and you have now two or three. When you start valuing the things that God calls significant and not doing insignificance in what God calls significance, then you will see the power of God come mightily and you will have joy and you have faith in the dry season. Why? Because you see things significant. You see small break. Oh, come on. You see small breakthroughs as significant. You see, Saul, listen, I'm praising God because even though I'm not totally healed from the infection that I have, I'm better than I was two weeks ago. I'm better. I used to couldn't hardly walk, but I can walk now. So you're like, what is he going through? It's not for you to understand. But what I'm saying is choose to recognize the significance of little breakthroughs. I'm, listen, you need to celebrate bad starts. <laughs> you need to celebrate the fact that you start. Oh, I'm, I'm preaching to somebody. You need to celebrate the fact that you actually started something and you actually launched something and pioneered something and it just stunk. But you need to celebrate those stinky starts. You know why? The Bible, say, the Bible says the, the, the beginning, do not despise the day of small beginnings. We stay stuck in the dry season because when God gives us a beginning, just a beginning, there was nothing before, we don't like it because it's not the big beginning. It's a small beginning. Oh, come on, man. Come on. Uh, uh, come on. I'm going to preach right here. Uh, hallelujah. Even if it's small, we've got something now. Come on. If we try to devalue what God is going to give us, then we're not going to appreciate what he's going to give us, and God's not going to give us anymore. If we devalue what he's given us, listen, he is not going to, Jesus lifted up his eyes in the gospel. I'm going to tell you a story. He lifted up his eyes in the gospel. Look, look, zoom in on me. Zoom in, camera. Is you okay? He lifted up his eyes and he saw a great multitude coming to him. And I'm not talking about a hundred. I'm not talking about a couple hundred. A, a, a couple thousand. He lifted up his eyes and a whole mob of thousands of people coming to him in the gospels. And he knew what he was going to do. But he said, hey, is there, to the disciples, is there anybody that has some bread to, uh, to feed this? And then good old Philip. I love Philip. He's, you know, he's got all this stuff. And Philip, full of faith, right? Philip goes, uh, Lord, not even 200 denarii could feed just a little bit of all these people. In other words, I don't see the significance of what you're trying to tell me. He goes, watch this. This is too big. The little that you give me, Lord, that's not enough. Oh, man, I'm preaching good here. I'm preaching good here. You know what keeps you thankful? Celebrating the little stuff. You know what keeps you thankful? Celebrating the small victories. The small answered prayers. 
Yeah, you have a prayer list of 10 and God answered three. Be thankful for the three. You may not have it all yet, but be thankful. And then when you do, it will give you in the desert, I got joy now. I got faith now, but you're still in the desert because God answered one prayer. But you have 10. It's okay. I got something. And I used to have nothing. It's perspective. So the insignificant stage is valuing, is not valuing the little that we do see. Now watch. Now Philip, now Philip said there's not even 200 denarii. Now watch this. I read this a million times, and I never saw this up until a couple days ago. We all know the story. We all know the story of five loaves and two fish. And I'm going to turn it there, but I, I, I never saw how Peter viewed it. You know that Peter did not value the small, and God had to show him. He said, there's a lad here. Turn, that, turn, to John, turn to John real quick. Six, verse nine. Real quick. Six, verse nine. Glory to God. You got something small? How many got something small? Come on. How many got just a little breakthrough? It's not full yet. Come on. How many, come on. You got a little bit of a taste. God says celebrate that. Put that up there, Zach. John, the, the scripture I gave you, John chapter six, verse nine. There, this is Peter. This is Peter. Saying, hey, so after, after Philip, I'm just giving you a heads up here. After Philip said, hey, not even 200 denarii could, could cover this. Philip was like, There's, it's impossible that you could do anything with, with, this little, with this little bread. God's like, okay, who's the next person? Peter goes, okay, hey. There's a young boy here with five barley loaves and two fish. Watch this. This has stood out to me. But what good is that with this huge crowd? In other words. That is insignificant, Lord. Are you kidding me? Five loaves and two, two five, five, five loaves and two fish. Lord, come on. This, this is, what good is that? He's telling that to the Lord. Can you imagine going to the Lord and he, and he answered one of your prayers out of ten. And you're like, Lord, I am not happy you answered one prayer. This is not enough, Lord. Now watch, watch. This will keep you faithful. These are people of joy. And he says, uh, what, is, what is good with that huge crowd? Keep going, verse 10, until I say stop. Tell everyone to sit down, Jesus said. I love Jesus. He's like, look, I'm going to take care of this myself. You think, you think I can't move with your little things that you provide for me? You think that you can't give me a little seed and I cannot do something big with that? You don't think that in your desert season when you're obedient to the voice of the Lord and you start off small that I don't see that? So they all sat down on the grassy slope. The men alone numbered 5,000 people. Then Jesus took the loaves. Oh, come on. The little, small. Everybody say small. Made the insignificant, significant, right? Gave thanks to God, distributed to the people. Afterward, he did the same thing with the fish. And they all ate as much as they wanted. Hear me. They ate as much as they wanted because a little boy did not look at five loaves and two fish as insignificant. But his disciples did. The mature ones did. It's always the mature ones that always mess it up. It's always the ones who've been in church in 20 years. Like, you know, no, calm down now. There's no need for all that extravagance here. It's okay. We don't, do, we don't shout in our, our church. No, 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 no. It's the young people like, I just love Jesus. Hallelujah. Because they celebrate the little things. They celebrate the little things. And we need to get back like, to childlike faith so that we could be excited like that, like what we used to be, for a little taste of the presence of God, for a little breakthrough in our, in our, in our services. Come on, say amen. amen. And so, watch this. This same Elijah, look at me. This same Elijah in the chapter before, I'm not going to turn there. The same Elijah that we're talking about just one chapter before this, 
the Lord, I mean the audacity of Elijah. During a drought, during a drought, imagine you're going through a drought financially. And I said, the Lord told me to tell you to give me a lot of your money. Or at least the, the full, half of your remaining money. Can you imagine? You would slap me. We're all going through a desert, right? And I say to you, you know what? <laughs> I know this sounds really weird. I know you're about to die. And that's true. The Bible says that this widow had enough oil for just her and enough flour for her son. And she, you know what she said? She goes, hey, listen, the Lord commanded Elijah, go to that widow and tell her to bake you a cake <laughs> first. Oh, my God. I don't know if I could do that. I mean, like, like I, everyone's dying around me, I'm like, and I'm dying. I'm like, <laughs> hey, I, hey, 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 you, the Lord told me, you're, you're the widow, right? Yeah, the Lord spoke to me. I know that sounds weird. The Lord spoke to me that you're supposed to bake me a cake. I know it sounds weird, but that's what happened, right? And the widow goes, she knew that he was a man of God. He wore the cloak of a prophet. So she said, you know, I only have a little bit, watch this, small. Oh, I'm going to preach here small amount of oil in a jar and I have a very small amount of flour in the bin and it's only enough for me to cook one little thing of loaf of bread for me and my son and then we're going to die. Literally, that's what the Bible says. We're going to die afterwards because we have no food. And then Elijah has the guts to say, I know, I, I understand that you're going to die. But, but bake me something first. See, when you see in the spirit things that seems ridiculous in the natural will seem automatic all the time. Only someone who heard the voice of the Lord and saw in the spirit could talk to someone that way. He said, I understand. You're not gonna, listen, you're not going to die. And he said, surely as the Lord lives, if you do this, watch, if you do this, if you honor the insignificant things in your household, if you honor the little things that you deem small, and if you give it to God, he's going to multiply. And widow woman, your oil is never going to run dry, and your bread is going to run dry. And the Bible says that when he did that, when she was obedient to that, gave her the last remaining things to the Lord, the small things, the small breakthrough, when everybody else had none, the Bible says her and her household ate well for many days. Oh, God. We need to start celebrating the things that are not significant. Come on, come on. Celebrate the tough beginnings. Can I hear an amen? Come on. You know what? We need to, I want everyone to say this after me, and I wrote it down. I want everyone to say this after me, okay? I want you to declare with me right now, what God has done for me right now is significant. Say with me one time. What God has what God has me doing right now is significant. Say it one more time so we can build faith in you. What God has me doing right now is significant. Come on, it's significant. It's significant. Being a stay-at-home mom is significant. Being a greeter in the church is significant. Hugging your, your spouse is significant. Spending time with your kids is significant. Changing a diaper is significant. Arriving on time, coming to church is significant. The things that we deem insignificant, that's right, that's right, that's significant. I wasn't see how I slid that rebuke in there. You didn't even know it. So it was like I cut you and you were still laughing. You're like, <laughs> volunteering at my church is significant. Working a secular job to make ends meet is significant. Having three or four people in your connect group is significant. 
significant, significant. Start seeing significance in your insignificance. Woo! I remember years ago at OHOP, someone told me, they said, oh, Pastor George, oh, I'm so, how's your connect group going? They go, oh, I'm, I'm a little discouraged. Why? I only got four people. And, and instantly, four people, right? Because, you know, you, oh, only four people in your connect group. And immediately in my spirit, I heard the Lord say, tell her she's only eight away from what I had. So I go, I go, that is amazing. She goes, no, 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 you didn't hear me. I got four. I've been struggling. You know, I used to have ten. Now I'm down to four. I go, listen, you know, you know what's so powerful about that? You're only eight people away from what the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords had. He had 12 in his inner circle. And he discipled. He discipled many, but he had 12 disciples. You're only eight away. What did I, what did I do? I changed her perspective from small, come on, somebody, to insignificant to these four are significant in my life. What you sow, that $1 is significant to the Lord. It's significant to the Lord. Oh, Lord, I don't give much, but God says I, it's significant to you. That means it's significant for me. Come on, someone shout amen. The devil won't like it when you start speaking this way. When you start saying what I do is significant. When you come up on stage and you're tired and you play, that's significant. When you come and you greet, and the good old Amanda, she's always out there, and, and Linda, and she's smiling out there, and you say, well, no one is saying hi to me, but I'm just smiling, and people are passing by me. God sees that. That's significant. If you're just spending time with family and making family a priority, God says, that is significant. Oh, come on, somebody. Do you realize that this is what the devil wants you not to say? Because if he could get you to leave your assignment, he'll convince you that what you're doing is insignificant. I'm going to say that again. The devil will convince you to leave your assignment when he could convince you that what you're doing is not significant enough. Well, all I, well, all I, do, all I do to serve in the house of the Lord is volunteer at the Grind Cafe. Well, praise the Lord. You're getting some good Holy Ghost coffee to people that need to be awakened in the name of Jesus. But, but, but seriously, I said this before and I say it again. Jesus sat. The Bible goes out of those way. That Jesus said, hey, hey, boys, watch this. Could you imagine Jesus sitting by the time I call the offering? Hey, hey, son. Hey, son, George. I'm going to sit down and I'm going to watch people. No, no, no. D don't do that. That's private. That's a private matter. He sat down at the altar and he goes, I want you to watch this. People came up to the offering, just like just, just kind of putting their things, and he saw a widow that was that that had only two mites, not, not not hardly anything. She put out of her out of her need, she put it on there. He turned his disciples and he says, "Do you see?" In other words, don't say that God doesn't notice. He says, "Do you see how much this this widow gave? She gave her everything. Watch this. I tell you that she gave more than all these other people because she gave out of her need. They gave out of their abundance." So listen to me, listen to me. God honors the insignificant. I'm almost done. I'm almost done. Come on, I know you're enjoying this. Come on, come on, say amen. And once you see the significance in the small things, this is for somebody, that you've not been seeing the small things, but today, if you want to maintain joy in the wilderness, see, see, in, see significance in what you deem insignificant from now on. And you'll be happy and nothing can move you. Amen? Watch this. It sets me up to the third stage. The third stage is coming up. I would like the worship team to get up here. I have one more scripture that I want to give. Uh, it's 12, 13. How many enjoying this? Now, the, the third stage, I want you to put it up there. Put it up there. It's the intimidation stage. 
It's the battle of fear and the unknown during your dry season. It's a battle between the fear and the unknown during your dry season. When you're trying to get out of the dry season, the third stage that you will, the first stage that you will face is the invisible stage. Say the invisible stage. Where you see nothing. Come on, say nothing. Can I, can I, can I go a little further? How many are seeing nothing currently right now? Well, I see the sound. And I hear the sound of the abundance of rain. Do you, do you believe that? It's not, it's not there yet. It's not there yet. The servant is still going on your behalf. The angels of the Lord are still going to and fro to make sure that thing is coming. You see nothing yet. Some of you are you're in the insignificant stage. You got a little bit, but you don't actually see it. You're blind because you've been focused on the nothing stage for so long that when God gives you a little, you still see nothing. Can I hear an amen? You had a little bit more joy than you had last week, but you don't really see that as a big deal because you're not fully freed up or delivered up. But yet you have a little bit more joy. Celebrate that. Celebrate that. Celebrate that. I'm going to hit that home until it gets into you. Glory to God. Glory to God. The third stage, say intimidation stage. Now look at me. I want everyone to look at me. I'm going to close with this. Give me five minutes here. After Elijah survived three and a half years of drought. Now watch this now. now, now you, you, need to, you, need to, you need to see this. Survived three and a half years of drought by going to a widow making her bake a cake when it was famine, then they was able to have oil and bread and all this stuff. And three and a half years later, this drought is about to end. He calls down fire from heaven. Where is that at? The Bible says in the, in the 18th chapter of 1 Kings, there was a battle of these false prophets of Baal that were, they were worshiping a dead false god named Baal. Right? And there were 400 prophets that were proving. Okay, and then they had a little uh, 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 a bet. They said, hey, whatever God answers with fire, that's the real God. Could you imagine? Okay, here we go. We're going to put a bet. Whatever you, you place your God there and your God there, and whatever God uh, uh, answers by fire... Uh, 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 that's the real God. So the, the, the prophets of Baal put them, put all their stuff, and, and, they're, and they're like, uh, and they're cutting themselves, and, and then nothing happened. And it's funny because Elijah just goes, hey, look, try again. Maybe, maybe your God is in the bathroom. Says it. One of them says, he's probably, he's, he's doing, he's probably going, you know, he's doing his services there. Go ahead and call louder. And they call louder, and nothing, nothing, nothing. So Elijah's turn came on. Elijah said, put some wood on there. And then he goes, look, I want to make it hard and the natural because my God could do anything. Put water on it. What? Put water on it. Put water on it continually. Continually. Amen. <laughs> Even the guitar said amen. Amen. Watch this. Poured water. The Bible says that. I'm, I'm setting you up for the final thing here. This mighty prophet said, Lord, I know you hear me. Fire came down from heaven. Real fire. Not fake fire. Not glory. Not like, like when we see, oh, the glory of God, the fire of God, invisible. No. Real liquid fire came down and sucked the altar and, and, and dried it all up. Everyone was freaked out. They're like, oh, my God, Je Jehovah God, that's the real God. Elijah's God, that's the real God. And bold, watch this, watch this now. I'm setting you up. Bold, powerful prophet Elijah that just commanded the rain to start coming and then the fire to come down, both fire and rain, killed, had 400 prophets killed the next day. Wait a minute, wait a minute. The next day. This bold prophet who just called down fire and just commanded rain, by this time it was already raining. It's in chapter 19. By this time the rain has already come. Now he's answered. he got the answer to his prayer. It's pouring rain. And Jezebel sends messengers 
to intimidate Elijah from his calling and said, you know what? Let Elijah's body be just like one of these by this time tomorrow. Now, wait a minute. If you didn't, if you didn't read the story before and you just heard all the, what Elijah did, what would you think would be the next response? You'd be like, this is what I would think Elijah would have said. Oh, really? Really, Jezebel, really? You tell Jezebel that I'm going to sit right here and I'm going to wait for her to come to me. Because before she even comes to me, God is going to zap her dead. You saw what I just did to the 400 prophets of Baal. You saw that, right? You would think if you didn't read the story, you'd be like, what is one woman threat? Do you realize that Jezebel is a shadow and type of Satan? The enemy knows he can't touch you, but what he can do is intimidate you to block you from your calling and from your assignment. So he will throw intimidation and fear of the unknown. When you're about to launch into something, he'll hit you with intimidation and he'll hit you with fear. He can't kill you. He can't touch you because you're a son and a child of God. So what he does is he said, okay, you saw the invisible and now you see the significance of the, of the, of the insignificant. Now, in order for me to stop you, I can't touch you, but I'm going to put intimidation in you. And they're going to ca- cause you to stop working. It's going to cause you to stop believing. And the Bible says, Elijah, look at this. This is the last scripture. 1 Kings chapter 19, and we're going to pray. Verse 1 through 3 in the NLT. Are you ready for this? Are you getting this? Some of you are in the intimidation stage. You did everything right, but now you're intimidated because you don't know. Watch this. You have the fear of the unknown. In other words, God is telling you, to do something, but you're afraid if you do it, it'll cost you a friendship or it'll cost you some money. And let me tell you, God will never tell you to do something if he's not going to take care of you. But it, watch this, takes a risk. And everyone in here, I'm about to prophesy, if you're ever going to go to the next level, you're going to have to take a leap of faith. And every leap of faith will require two things, risk and faith. You will, and watch this, I'm going to add a third one. When you step out, From the word of the Lord, you have to make sure it's the word of the Lord first. Because if not, that's another story. But when you do hear from God and you're about to step out into a new realm of closeness to God or in a business or a ministry or you just say, you know what, I'm going to cut off ties to some of my old friends that are dragging me down and I'm not going to be scared anymore because I know God is calling me back to him. You will not know what's going to happen until you do it. When I started the church, I did not know who was going to come other than my leaders. And I know some people say, hey, we're going to support you. I had nobody. I had nothing. I was in the nothing stage. I stepped out by faith, believing, seeing in the spirit what God already showed me. I never saw this, praise God. But I stepped out, watch this, and when I stepped out and faced the fear of the unknown, because there was a lot of fear, I told my wife, I don't know if I'm going to get paid. She goes, this is God. I'm with you. I stepped out. Almost 500 people showed up that first day. My wife turned to me. She started crying. She goes, look, babe, look. And I go, I turned around because I didn't want to, I, I was like this. I still remember. And Christi, I was, Christina was on the stage, and I was like, I'm not going to look back. I'm not going to look back. And I looked back, and the whole place was filled. I know a lot of them were other churches, but they honored me for my faith. And God was saying, I'm with you. You step out in faith. I had to face intimidation and fear. If I let that get me, RCC would have never been birthed. I went through the invisible stage. I went through the insignificant stage. I had no money. (laughs) You know what the church started with? Nothing. And now we got something. That's why I'm rejoicing. 
Because even though the rent went up and even though the crowds are not like they used to be, we still got something. Come on, somebody. We got something. Hallelujah. Now watch this. When Ahab got home, he told Jezebel everything Elijah had done, including the way he had killed all the prophets of Baal. Verse 2. So Jezebel sent his message to Elijah. See, see, this is how I know. Even Jezebel herself knew that she couldn't kill him. Because if she could kill him, she wouldn't warn him first. Come on, how, how many X-Street guys you have? When you want to do something bad to somebody, you don't warn them what you're going to do. You show up on them. You roll up. And you surprise them. But she knew how powerful he was. So he goes, hey, listen, I know I can't kill him, but I can scare him. Hey, 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 tell him. Tell him. He's actually, he's actually, she's actually giving Elijah a heads up. Hey, by the way, she has plans to kill you. What, who in their right mind that really wanted to kill someone would actually give them notice? Hey, prepare yourself. I'm going to kill you. So make sure, make all the preparations you can. Run away if you can. No. Her intention she knew, I believe, in her heart of hearts, she's not, she can't touch that man. She knows that she's a prophet of God. But she said, the last resort I have is to stop them from fulfilling the call of God. Because if, if Elijah crosses this next phase, he'll overcome the kingdom. So that was her last attempt. Watch this. Jezebel sent message. May God strike me and, and, and even kill me if by this time tomorrow I have not killed you as you killed them. Look at the next verse. I never thought I would hear these three words. Or three, yeah, three words. Elijah was afraid and fled for his life. This is what? The same Elijah that just called fire down from heaven? The same Elijah that just prayed? The same Elijah? Yes, the same Elijah. You know why? Because if he can't get you in the invisible stage, if he can't get you in the insignificant stage, then it will get you in the intimidation stage. And the intimidation stage stops you from progressing. You know what fear is? You know what fear is? The Bible says fear torments. So it, it stops your progress from the Lord. So if you want to be honest with me, I want to be honest with you, and I'm closing with this. Elijah was afraid of the unknown. But I'm here to tell you, if you're in a dry season today, if you're in a, a stuck season today, if you're in a, in a season where you see nothing, come on, and you see nothing, the Bible says the Lord is saying, go again. Come on. The Lord is saying, go again. Whatever you're at, if you're in the second phase and you're here and you see the insignificance of your little breakthroughs, God is saying, start seeing the small cloud as something big and significant. Even if it's as, as the size of a man's hand over your family, over your ministry, over your life, celebrate. Celebrate that. And lastly, don't be afraid of the fear tactics that the enemy is trying to put on you. Some of you, you're about to launch. In, God, I hear this from the Lord. God is speaking to you to launch even ministries, even here at RCC. I hear the Lord saying, there's some of you that God has been speaking to that you want to go to the next level in your, in your service to the Lord, but you're afraid. Let me tell you something. The people that are on this stage, they didn't start that way. The, I, I, didn't, I didn't start bold like this. When I first started preaching the gospel, my, my, one of my people told me, they said, hey, I have a church for you that you want to preach. And I go, I don't want to preach. I'll pray, but I won't preach. Could you imagine me saying that now? It's hard for you to understand that. But my hands will be sweaty every time that I would be asked to speak in front of people. As a born-again Christian filled with the Holy Ghost, I was, I, I was afraid because I wasn't seeing and applying the things of God, the purposes of God in my life. And I remember in college, I would actually, I would actually uh, uh, lie and say, and repent later, and say, 
that I didn't want or need that class because when the professor said, okay, here's what's going to happen in the class. You're going to have this exam. In my mind, nothing. Uh, you're going to have this project. Oh, I could do that. And then you're going to be required to speak three or five times in front of your peers. I go, oh, oh, oh no, 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 no. I would literally go to the counselor and say, no, uh, I need to change this. Why? Uh, this is not for me. I, I'm, I'm switching my, my, my major. I was terrified. Now watch this. I'm going to end with this. I promise. You know when all that changed? It's not when I felt this feeling before. It's when I executed obedience and then afterwards the feeling came. When I came to the pulpit in the front town, I'll never forget. It was an old Spanish church in Goldenrod, Florida. And there was no music and there was a whole bunch of, I still remember there was some gang, gang members with bandanas and some girls and all this stuff. And I'm like, oh my God, this is my first preaching engagement. There was acapella, there was no music. And I preached. And let me tell you, when I got behind that pulpit, I'm telling you, I was a nervous little boy. And when I got in that position, after, after, I, I said, I'm still nervous. When I got behind the pulpit, I opened the Bible and I preached like a wild man. My, I, I, I preached like I was preaching for 20 years. And my friends were like, where did that come from? I said, I don't know. But you know what? It sparked a hunger. These people, the gang people came up and they gave their life to the Lord. I still remember. I, I didn't know what to do. So I said, pray, uh, sing, uh, I love you, Lord. And I lift my hand, you know. And so they started singing. I, no lie. I laid hands on them and they felt like lightning. I went like this. I had no clue. I'm like, I saw Pastor Benny do it, but I'm doing it now. I went like this to the second one. Boom, felt like lightning. Went to the second one. I mean, it was, it was, there was no rah-rah. There was just one, two people singing a cappella. I love you, Lord, and I lift my voice. I'm like, pew, pew, pew. You know why? From that day forward, I, um, you can't get a mic away from my hand. From that day forward, something shifted because I pressed through the intimidation. Just stand up. Come on. Let's give the Lord a big shout of praise. Come on, if you believe it. We're going to worship right now. And we're going to worship. If you're in a dry season today, I want there's hope for you. Come on. I want you to lift up your hands. We're going to close in a little bit. But I want to see how many have been blessed by the word this morning. Come on. Come on. I want you to lift up your hands. I'm going to leave it up to Christina. I want you to worship with us. And I want you to see, listen, if you're in a dry season, so watch this. I'm going to say this. We're about to worship. Look at me. If you're in a season, you're in a nothing season, wave your hand at me. Come on, wave your hand right now, right now. If you're in a nothing stage, okay, put your hands down. If you see something small, but it's not what you've been believing for, but it's small, and you have maybe felt that it's insignificant, wave your hands at me. Come on, wave your hands. All right, number three, which was you're about to do this, but you are afraid of the unknown, and you're battling fear to see if you're going to be successful or not. Raise your hand, all right? Raise your hand. Okay, maybe all of you. So I want all of you to lift up your hands, and I want you to respond to this today and present yourself before the Lord. Come on, let's worship the Lord. Thank you for tuning into our podcast. For more information about us, please visit remnantchristiancenter.com.